Aloha, all you money makers out there. This is Indar Lang, and I'm super excited to announce uh, my great friend, Miss Megan here from Acorn Properties. I'm super excited to have her on the show. She's a close friend of mine. Uh, we've been through some close masterminds together and just shared our experience, strength, and hope. She's a beast in Nebraska and does a killer amount of deals and now into multifamily. So let's do it. Let's get this started, guys. Just before we get started, I'd love it if you guys could subscribe below and that way we can reach more people and just help people make their money work for them in any different way we can. Thank you guys. And let's get started in today's content. So Megan, tell me about yourself. Tell me, um, tell me who you are and so forth. And obviously I know everything about you. I mean, not everything, but I know a lot about you <laughs> in the real estate side of side of everything, but, um, We've been hanging out a lot together and been through a bunch of masterminds and just great meetups, I guess you can call them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was uh, born and raised in California and uh, yeah. started into real estate uh, about seven years ago, did a couple of decent kind of boring deals and then moved five years ago to Lincoln, Nebraska to do real estate full time, uh, mostly for the rental market because it's cheap houses and and good rents. And mm -hmm. uh, so we've been doing it full-time ever since, bought like, uh, I think around 60 properties now, mm -hmm. um, mostly flips, but kind of holding some rentals and have done a short-term rental and own a staging company. What was that turning point when you wanted to move to Nebraska? Like what was it? Why Nebraska or what, what, what was the reason that you jumped? Yeah. So yeah. my husband was getting out of the military and, mm -hmm. uh, he was medically separated. So he had a really bad back injury. He couldn't work anymore. He couldn't stand for more than 15 minutes at a time. And, um, we just decided like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he really couldn't do any of the things he was trained to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we just decided to go for broke on real estate and, uh, we moved to Lincoln because it was cheaper, right? We could make rentals work, but, but we could but also why'd you pick Lincoln? Like, what was it like? not the other county or something um it was there's three colleges here so there's a really strong rental market there's mm. job growth uh really low unemployment and then even the low income areas here aren't like ghetto so i feel safe in any neighborhood here um mm. which was a big thing for me because i knew i'd be working like on our flips um by myself and so i wanted mm. to be safe mm. you do um you do some be beautiful designs too of of your flips. Actually, I was just hanging out with you last week, and I I'm going to show you those cabinets you picked out our cabinets for our uh, 3.2 million dollar flip. So <laughs> I'll show you how that turns out. But um, that's a big it, that's really interesting to me how you just got up and moved to Nebraska. You know, like um, it's a great market. Obviously, I think it's a great market, and you just took everything and went there because you have three kids too as well. So. That's a yeah. huge, huge move as well. So what is it like flipping in Nebraska? What's uh, what's that entail? What's that market like? What's your price point and what do you generally do? Um, our normal price point is like 280. That's average. Um, mm. And then it's it sucks in the winter. That's, that's the main difference about Nebraska, right? It's mm. freaking freezing in the winter. So we have to make all of our money in the summer and then almost go broke in the winter. And, you know, that whole game, but, um, yeah, it's, you know, 280 kind of price point, but it also rents for around 2,500. So you can get close to the 1%, mm -hmm. um, pretty easily. Mm -hmm. 
what do you mean sucks in the winter? You just can't do much construction outside, really, right? I mean, once you get a new roof on and siding, you can do inside work, right? Yeah, but like if you find deals in the winter, you can't put on a new roof, you can't do siding, you can't mm. paint. Mm. So if if you find a deal in the winter, you're just kind of stuck sitting on it. You could you could do the inside, but you have to kind of wait on the outside or. Mm. So you kind of have a longer hold times, I guess. You got to predict. Uh, I never thought of that. I just learned about the freezing pipes and all that breaking this year. Earlier this year, it happened on one of my mainland properties. I didn't know about keeping the water on all the time. <laughs> the heating yeah, on. Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know about that stuff. Um, you got some great lenders out there. You got some great bank deals, I know. Uh, that's amazing. That really is great um what is your current you're currently focused on flipping i know and you have a staging company as well so now you're trying to scale your staging company and uh grow that you do some really nice staging as well thanks um, yeah we're we're trying to grow the staging or we are growing the staging um we staged 80 houses last year and i think we'll probably double that this year hmm. Um, and then I'd like to be able to franchise that at some point. So that should be kind of ready to go by the end of this year. Mm, that's amazing. 80 houses. So the realtors and everyone know who you guys are and you guys are constantly staging a lot of. Yeah. Yep. We stage, we're realtors too. So we stage for our own clients, <clears throat> we stage obviously our flips. And then we stage a lot of clients houses, mm. either realtors mm. or other flippers in town. I'm a big, big fan of staging. I always have been because I think it really showcases the house so much more than the person can visualize and see, you know, what, where things would go and where a bed would go or a TV or, or you know, sometimes people don't see it. And uh, yeah, yeah, they have a hard time with it. And they did a study. They say that houses that are staged sell for like six to 9% more than unstaged mm -hmm. houses. Mm -hmm. So it helps. It definitely pays for itself. Yeah, it does. I, I agree. I mean, we spend sometimes a hundred to three hundred thousand dollars on a house. What's an extra couple grand to stage it, you know, and get the top dollar of the home if it's gonna bid your house up another ten grand or so, you know, so or help it sell faster, even just sitting on the market longer. Um, a long time ago when I first started, not many people were staging, and I'd always fight the agents to stage my houses. Now we pay it for ourselves, but I need to stop doing that. I need to make sure the agents pay for it. But uh, we've been paying for it ourselves. <laughs> um, yeah, you so, should get your agent to do it. I know. I need to oppose that to our agent. <laughs> I make it too easy for them. But um, so staging, that's that's interesting. And now you have a bunch of rental properties and you have some clean and silver living properties as well. How's those going? Why do you, why do you like the clean and silver properties? Tell me more about those. Um, that's obviously really near and dear to my heart. Um, you and I are both sober. So that's a big uh, thing for me. I love being able to support that community. Um, but, you know, just from a investment standpoint, it makes a ton of sense too, because we're signing like two to three year leases with them. And mm -hmm. once it becomes a program house, they want to keep it as a program house. Um, so it's really just like renegotiating the rent or bumping up the rent every two to three years. How did you get into like finding out, you know, where, you know, the places that need it and so forth? Where'd you, how'd you connect with them or how'd you figure that out? We flipped a house and uh, an investor bought it. And I thought that was kind of weird that they could make the numbers to work um, hmm. buying one of our already flipped out houses. And um, they ended up making it a sober living house. So we ended up learning about the program 
um, later through one of the tenants that lived there, uh, they were working for us. And so mm. I was able to kind of find out about how the program worked from the inside. And it honestly is a really great program. It has a really low uh, rate of relapse and it's just like a really positive environment for these guys. Um, mm. So they hooked us up with um, the guys who run it. There's, they're called outreach workers. And mm. so their job are is to find houses to rent. Um, and so we got connected with them and when they need another house in a certain town or in our town, they'll just tell us what they're looking for and we go find it for them. Do you, how, do you figure out their rent rolls or what they need uh, or what they're going to pay for rent? How do you figure it? Yeah. Did so you? they have like kind of a standard thing they're looking for, for women's houses. They want it to be like seven to nine women. Mm -hmm. So usually like a five bedroom for a men's house. They want it to be like a 10 to 13 man house. So that's usually like a six or seven bedroom house. Well, it's a big house as well. Big yeah. old houses. Yeah. And they'll put some bedrooms will have two guys. Some bedrooms will have two, uh, just one guy, mm -hmm. but there's some other requirements to it. So they kind of let you know what those are. And then they'll walk the house with me before I actually buy it. And they'll say, okay, well, maybe we can add a couple bedrooms here in the basement. Mm -hmm. Um, and then if you did that, then we'll rent it for $3,000 a month. And then mm -hmm. that way I know going in before I even buy it, like what it's going to rent for. And then they can kind of just, we'll set it up that way. So as soon as I'm done with the project, they'll move in like the next day, mm -hmm. which my lenders love that too. Cause I can tell them like, I already have it pre-rented for $3,000 a month. They're like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, take the money. It's fine. So that $3,000 a month house, what would you normally get if it was regular single family, 2020? Yeah, it's weird because it's like, what would you rent a seven bedroom house for to mm -hmm. a family? Like nobody needs that big of a house. Mm -hmm. um, but a five bedroom would probably rent for like 2000 to 2400 mm -hmm. um, I think there's some sort of law of diminishing returns on more bedrooms. But if you can pack guys into it like a sober house, then uh, it, it kind of makes sense. That's interesting. And then you already know exactly. And then they're making a killing on it because they're renting it two persons to room sometimes as well. So the facilities. Yeah, it's, it's actually like a nonprofit, almost like a pseudo government organization. So mm. they're not really profiting. Um, they pay each of the individual guys pay rent to the checking account for the house. And then mm. the checking account for the house pays me per month, but they're paying per week per guy. Um so I get a lump sum on the first, but what happens is that checking account uh, kind of builds up an overage. So mm -hmm. they have, if they have vacancy or whatever, they're fine. They're covered. Even during COVID when our, their occupancy rates fell down to like 50%, mm -hmm. they were still able to make rent. No problem because they had such big overages in that account. Mm. They're really disciplined and they just leave that account for that. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. How much, how much do the guys pay rent themselves? How much do they charge? I wonder. I think it's like 250 a week per person, hmm. something like that. And then they pay, you know, their utilities and their internet and all that out of that account as well. Hmm. Wow. Like 900 a person uh, times five. Wow. They're making four, four grand at least four, five grand. I think it's not that much. I don't know. I don't really care. You know, it's like they have all these rules and this whole system of operations. Like it's almost ran like a franchise where they have a book 
there's rule for every single thing. Like what happens when a guy doesn't pay? What happens when a guy relapses? What mm-hmm. happens when a guy, whatever, um, they have system systems and processes to handle that. And I have like no oversight of it. So it's super yeah, you passive did, for us. You, yeah. And they paying on time. So you never have to worry. And they're good about the property. Normally they have like a property guy in the house. That's the manager and guy, right. That takes care of it. Yeah, Yeah. this program is kind of ran like a democracy. So there'll be a president in the house, but it'll be like a chore coordinator and like a treasurer guy or whatever. They have their little roles in Mm. within the house and then they take care of the property really well. They take care of the lawn. Um, They they keep up the properties really nice. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the other best part of it all, too, because now you have somebody that's taking care of it really, really yeah. well. You know, that, I mean, that's another landlord thing that you would hate to do. And a lot of these guys are probably handy. So they're fixing things and you're less, less things for you to have to worry about. Right. Not to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And their lease says that up, they'll fix things at like up to a hundred dollars per month. So mm-hmm. like if the flipper flapper valve on the toilet stops working, like most of the time there's somebody handy enough in the house to just fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't get very many big calls. It's like, you know, if the dishwasher goes out or something, they'll call us, but mm. the little stuff they fix themselves. You sound great. So you just have to, the name of the game is to find bigger houses, one bigger bedroom kind of houses. Yeah. And so work. I usually look for like more than 3000 square feet, but they're usually just sitting on the market because nobody else needs to buy a six bedroom house. Um, yeah. So they're kind of easy to find. How many do you have now? Four. Nice. Yeah, that's great. And those are cash flowing well. You should buy more of those. I know. I want more. <laughs> more of those and more of the multifamily. So now you're getting into multifamily too. You just got your a nice multifamily, a 12 plex, right? And you got a, possibly another uh, one. I got a seven. Oh, seven. A seven okay. under contract right now. Uh, we're talking to somebody about a 12. So hopefully we get that one too. That's amazing. Those are so much easier to manage. You're, uh, you're growing so fast. <laughs> <laughs> that's great hopefully not too fast <laughs> no no faster the better <laughs> um so uh, we didn't get to speak but we met me and megan met um at brandon's mastermind i think a year or two years ago um in maui mastermind yep. in maui yeah. i think the maui mastermind um um uh, yeah and we hung out um a bunch of us kind of have our little circle omni and a bunch of us kind of cruise together all the time and uh, just get to know people really well at these masterminds we uh we're, we're letting our guards down of all the things that we're struggling with the things that we're you know weak at or we need help with and so we kind of show our vulnerability on top of the fact that we all have very like-minded you know very entrepreneur we're all real estate investors so i think all these commonalities really make us so close to each other that we've had the same struggles, we've had the same, just the mindset, I think, in general, um, really makes us really all very close, I think, more than just a normal person, I feel like. Yeah, and I feel like, too, like, it's hard to get close to people or, like, normal people, people that don't do this crazy flipping stuff, yeah. um, because they don't understand the problems, right? Like, they just see, oh, you flip houses, so you must, like, have millions of dollars just sitting around all the time, and that's just obviously not the case, so we all kind of seem to have the same problems. You just have more zeros behind your problems and more zeros behind your wins. And, yeah. um, but we totally understand each other's, you know, issues in our business. And so I think 
it's cool to get close to people like that. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing to see each other grow now that we've been friends for a while now and to see everybody's growth and change directions. And uh, we've we all had some of the very similar struggles, some of the non-real estate struggles as well. We all have the same struggles <laughs> in life. And um, we've been always working through all of that. Um, you know, it's interesting. So me and Megan just came back from last week, our mastermind. And um, you come back and it's, you know, what I struggle with is implementing it. And like, I get back into my workflow of things and I had all these great ideas, and all this stuff I need to do. But then I fell back into, oh, I got to take care of this and that. And do you struggle with that? You know? I do, but I've been really trying to be like very intentional about it. Like we spend a lot of money to be at those places. So sure. if you just kind of waste it, then yeah. you know, what's the point? Um, so I make like time, I schedule out time every week to work on things that that I learned there essentially. Yeah. So you put it in your schedule. I'm gonna work an hour on, you know, this kind of stuff. That's that's great. Yeah. I I uh I need to do that. I have my book that I take my notes in and I just pull out my book and refer that my book and and I kind of follow up with that. But I like that you schedule time to 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 think about it and to make it intentional. Um I mean what we just learned at the last event it was more for things that we needed to be doing. So what do you think about yeah, class or week? schedule it with your assistant and then make your assistant do all the things. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I'll probably no, yeah. it was it was good. It was super helpful. I'm I'm excited to implement all that. Like looking back at, you know, my social, I feel like it's just a hot mess now that Brandon's picked it apart, you know. So it'd be good to clean it up. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're growing <laughs> you're zero actually a year ago when we we were at the mastermind together and you like made your Instagram right then yeah. and there. <laughs> <laughs> do you notice the benefit now of it all and you see the difference as you get more followers and so forth maybe some um i i get like random deals sometimes through my social um mm. and so maybe that's a good thing i mean that's definitely a good thing but is the juice worth a squeeze like it's so time intensive and mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot of money being made with it right now so mm -hmm. i kind of feel like i'm like growing the tree before I need the fruit. Um, and it's, it's hard to explain to my husband, like, no, I'm not just dicking around on Instagram all day and yeah. doing podcasts with Indar. He's like, can you actually do something that's important? <laughs> it is important. Kind of, it, <laughs> will of. Be. <laughs> it will be. No, it is. It is important. And, uh, it's a tough one because you want to work on your business and you love the real estate side of it all. And that's where you're, you're like me. I love the real estate side of it. I love to focus on the business. I actually don't essentially care to do this stuff sometimes. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, forced to do this kind of side of it all. But I'd rather go find a deal and structure it and, and close and figure out lending. And yeah, I love that side of it all, you know. Yeah, we're just deal junkies at heart. You know? <laughs> deal junkies. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> But uh, social media podcast and all these great stuff is great for all the viewers out there to share our struggles and to hear that it's not always easy. And it's a growth. The growth side of it all is definitely takes a lot. It takes a lot to juggle it all, you know, right? To juggle everything. Yeah, yeah you all gotta the different have, pieces. Yeah. 
then you got to have all these different hats, right? We got to have the social media hat and we got to have the investor hat and the loans and the, when you talk to your banker, you got to know how to talk to your banker and all that kind of stuff. And um, it's always interesting to keep learning all these different trades. Really. <laughs> yeah. It's all just like selling though. Like most yeah. of what we do, you know, whether we're selling to sellers or we're selling to investors, we're selling to lenders, we're selling to people watching our social yeah, sales. I guess so. I guess so. Um, so what was your turning point in your life when you realized you had to start scaling this? When was your turning point? Because I don't think you realize you're scaling until recently or when you first went to that mastermind, I think you realized you're bigger than you, you were. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I'm the first year I did like, um, five deals or something. And then pretty quickly got up to about 15 deals, uh, a year, which I think is, you know, that's a growth, right? That's scaling a little bit. And then uh, I think that first year we went to Maui, I was like, what? Tarl's flipping a hundred houses a year. Like mm -hmm. that, that kind of sounds terrible, but also awesome at the same time. And so I think that was kind of the start of scaling, but I also want to be, I don't know, scale safely, I guess, like not get myself into a pickle. Mm -hmm. So what direction do you want to go now? I know you have, cause you have your staging company, which is great. Buying multi, you're flipping, kind of keep that same role going. Do you want to focus on one more than another? Um, I want to, I want to keep more rentals right now. Um, mm. I think the flipping before was we, we just kind of had to do it because we didn't have big tax returns. So the banks were not really thrilled about lending to us on rentals. Um, and so we wanted to show some big income profits. And so we started mm. flipping and then got kind of hooked on that. Mm. Um, but I'd really like to get back to just you know, buying rentals and kind of growing that portfolio. Mm. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm with you there. Cause flipping is a job. Flipping takes work and it's cool to say you flip houses, but it's a lot cooler to collect checks in the mail and not do yeah. much work, <laughs> but uh, I'm with you on that one. It's a hard turning point, but to, to keep them both, I don't want to say juggling, but to now change your focus, you know, sometimes, um, to do them both, I guess you can say for me. It is. Yeah. For us, it's just like mostly single families and small multis. So I feel like it's the same kind of act of flipping. You're just either keeping it or selling mm -hmm. it at least keep for it us. Yeah. Keep if it, it cash flows, we keep it as a rental. If it doesn't, we sell it. <laughs> and then the fine line is you got to still keep big money coming in. So sometimes do you flip it? Do you not flip it? You know, you got to, Kind yeah, of, you got to play that a little bit because you got to yeah. pay payroll and all that. Mm -hmm, That's more mm -hmm. the flip income goes to that. Yeah. Because the rentals were slow. It's a slow road process and uh, mm -hmm. kind of set it and forget it. And for us, we just have them, don't think about them, collect rents and keep them rented out, keep them, fix them up and so and so forth. So um, what do you have? Do you have any advice for any people out there who who feel like they're, uh, have made bad decisions in life or they've had past challenges, whatever it may be, um, you know, what kind of advice do you have for those people who are starting from scratch or starting over in life and maybe even older or, um, you know, have a colorful past, I should say, you know, what do you have advice for them? 
Yeah, me too. Colorful. That's a good word for <laughs> colorful. it. <laughs> colorful arms. Um, yeah, Taddy yeah. Investor. For anyone so who can't colorful. see, it's, this is Taddy Investor, by the way. So she's got colorful tats on her arms. <laughs> Um, I think that, you know, every day you can kind of choose to make your life better or you could choose to make it worse. And so even if you have a colorful past or you're, you know, crawling out of a hole that you kind of dug yourself into, mm -hmm. it's so easy to make like huge changes in your life as long as you just commit to it and do it. Um, I mean, you know, what, eight years ago I was an addict and alcoholic and now I'm mm -hmm. a millionaire. So it, things cool. can change so fast, you know? <laughs> Um, if you just keep getting better every day, that's cool to say. That's cool to hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, everyone starts from zero, no matter what sometimes. So it's not freely given to us at all. Almost. I think the addiction part of me is making me such a better real estate investor because I'm just addicted to this now. <laughs> I'm like all in hundred percent real estate. This is just, you know, it's, it's one addiction to the next, I guess you can say. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you just use that that change in your life to focus on something new. Mm -hmm. um, so if you, five years from now, where do you see yourself, you know, being and doing? And where, yeah, I remember we wrote down that uh, at one of the events, I think, something like that. Where do you see yeah, I don't know. That's so hard for me because I feel like I'm not setting big enough goals. And five years is so far out that I feel like if I made a goal, it would be too small. Um, mm -hmm. So I kind of go year by year. But um, yeah, I coming back from Maui this week, man, I want to live in Maui so bad. I can see <laughs> myself living there within the next oh, few geez. years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And everyone's moving there. I want to move there. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah. it was it was fun just hanging out and like just doing stuff together with like-minded people. I think that combination was even the best part of it all. Don't you feel like? Yeah. like yeah. And just being around everybody and just like having fun and having friends there. Yeah. And making sure the business is still running. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would wake up Mine early. I actually went like super well. I, I don't think I looked at my emails once. Oh, you did it? <laughs> no. And I, I got would... back and there was like a rental done and the project had just gone on. Like <laughs> everything went fine. I wish it was always like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would no, I was waking up early and doing all my e emails before I would show up and trying to do the phone calls. Yeah. But um, there's always something to do for me. Yeah. You got more going on than I do. <laughs> more fires to put out. Um so we have a cool question from somebody else out there. This is from uh, Nino Devai. Indar and Megan, I'm trying to get my first property financed by the bank for the first time. Do you, do you get the property under contract with clauses to get out? Hopefully they will go for it. Or do you wait? Or as long as the numbers make sense, is it, does it really make, does it really matter? Nino. I would say to I would say to talk to the banks first and kind of get that piece lined up and maybe take like a um, hypothetical deal to the bankers and say, hey, if I brought you this deal, would you be able to lend on it or would you be able to finance 100% of the purchase and rehab or whatever it is that you're wanting them to do? 
And then they could let you know, like, no, you would have to put 20% down of the purchase, but then we could give you a line of credit for the rehab um, as long as it's 80% of the ARV. And so then if you know that, that that's how they'll look at it, then you can go find a deal and structure it that way. When you first started working that bank you had, did you, um, was that the first person you did a deal with, with that bank or was it somebody else? Um, did you have to have credibility when you worked with that bank? I think it, it, they take the whole picture into consideration, right? So I didn't have a job and my tax returns weren't great because I just got started. But what I did have was the credibility piece because I had been flipping on hard money. So they were like, well, if you could do it on 18% interest, then you could definitely do it on 4% interest. Mm. So they were comfortable with that. But I have clients right now that are going to the same bank and they don't have the credibility piece, but maybe they have a job and, you know, a little bit more of a better financial portfolio. Mm. Um, so they'll still work with them. They'll still do, do those kind of things. I would, yeah. So on that top of all that, I would just say lock up a deal first. The coolest thing about real estate is you have an inspection pay period. You have a J1, you have a uh, due diligence period. And during that due diligence period is when you can then shop around to banks, lenders, hard money, um, or if not cancel the deal, but it just right then and there, you'll build a lot of relationships and you'll, you know, that deal falls through. You'll just gain that much rapport with banks or hard money or whatever lender uh, per se. So I think having a deal in place with some solid numbers to work with is a lot easier to talk to a, a bank or a lender uh, beforehand, but it's free to call a bank or a lender, just talk to them in general, you know, it takes in, take an hour of your day and call 10 lenders and see, you know, you can easily do that as well. Um, you know, just, just call 10 lenders. What <laughs> Take an hour to Google, uh, well, put on Yelp, 10 hard money lenders, 10 credit unions and call them all in, in your neighbor, in your area and find one. Um, but it's a lot easier to have a deal you're working with and then see what, what the terms you'll get to make it work. Um, so you can kind of do either way, I guess. But um, yeah, the cool thing about real estate is you don't have to buy it when you get it under contract. Yeah. <laughs> you can always figure it out. So put a deal under contract, check your numbers, really check your numbers. Actually, I noticed that a lot about first time people is their numbers are so far off. I had a uh, an agent one time just recently tell me about a, a deal and she told me her numbers and uh, I think it was a him it was like million dollar purchase and it was going to sell at 1.3 million <laughs> and there's a hundred fifty thousand dollar rehab I'm like uh, yeah and he's like oh yeah you'll make a hundred fifty thousand you're like he, he no did. that's not how it works he said that he said that he said that and uh and I was trying to like help him understand it like I was trying to get him to explain things to me, you know, how about this cost and that cost? And like, he didn't want to like have nothing to do with me trying to help him. He, he So that didn't go well. Yeah. Actually on my first deal ever, I lost 20 grand because I, I did that kind of math. I did not figure in like closing costs, carrying costs, realtor commissions. And yeah. that was, that was the profit. And then some. Yeah. People don't figure out, figure out that kind of stuff. And the carrying costs can be longer, shorter, if you got a six months, nine months to sell. So yeah. definitely 
have some kind of deal analyzer and analyze do you, you have a deal analyzer do you use something you have excel or anything um no i just do it on a napkin now you can do it on a napkin now. <laughs> you know your costs that so well yeah. yep i should i'll send you my deal analyzer I wouldn't use it. I think you probably have sent it to me. I think like, I did. Oh, this is a lot. This is not, <laughs> it's not that hard here. I've sent you so many different documents. I think I sent you my PFS yeah. and some of the other stuff. But yeah. um, I guess you're in a, such a great market that you figure it out. That's yeah, the name of the game. It's really chill here for sure. Yeah, figure it out. Um, Are you working on any raising capital? Do you have any uh things coming up you want to market homes to sell or of course your your franchise of your uh staging company uh yeah the staging company um i'm wanting to open like 200 locations within the next couple of years so that is super exciting um if what's the name listeners... of your staging company it's acorn home staging yeah and you're gonna acorn you want to open it up franchise it out across the u.s Yep. Across the U S. So, um, that should be ready kind of by the end of this year. So I don't want to get anybody too excited about it yet, but it'll be coming how you, soon. How are you going to do that with all the, the material? I mean, the bedding and it's all that stuff. You're going to have it all just one package basically for all the. Yeah. Like supplies. approved items. Um, yep. Vendor lists, all those kind of things. And then, um, really we're selling the system, right? So we made it like Chick-fil-A, like, a 17 year old girl could do it. Yeah. I can totally remove myself. Um, and then there's just not a whole lot of like options. I think that's the important thing is like simple sells and complex fails a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Um, and so these, a lot of staging companies aren't very profitable because they focus on like buying too much stuff or the wrong things. And then they kind of waste, uh, their inventory. Mm -hmm. So we've really boiled it down to just be very, very simple so mm. that you can start it, grow it, and then remove yourself from it. Hmm. That's interesting. I never heard that side of your staging company. I, I don't know too much about your staging company, actually. I, That's because flippers are totally like not excited about it at all. I say that at real estate meetups. They're like, oh, yeah, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, I did 80 houses and I don't have to do any work for it. And then it's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that is amazing. And you charge a couple, a couple grand a house, right? Yeah, we do 1500 yeah. for the first month. Yeah. Um, yeah. so super affordable. I think we're probably one of the most affordable in town. And I say like, we're the Chick-fil-A. If you want filet mignon, go pay for filet mignon. But most houses like 1500 square foot, first time home buyer house, it doesn't need it doesn't huge need it. fancy stuff. It just needs yeah. a little something. Yeah. It just needs some bedding, bed and some basic stuff. Yeah. Especially on a, a you know, $200,000 house. You don't need much. Yeah. Have you done any million dollar houses? Um, I've done like 800,000. I think that was probably my highest, which mm. it's pretty freaking big here. You know, 800,000 there, that's a one bedroom condo, but <laughs> it <laughs> here it's, you know, 4,000 square feet or something. So just more stuff to stage. More stuff. Yep. More items. That's amazing. And you have a team just running it self-sufficient without you. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. I should, I should open a staging company. I used to stage my house with myself, actually. I went to Target, Ross. Actually, my first house, we did the return process. We were left the tags on and we we're going to try and save money by returning everything, which we did. 
we returned so everything. <laughs> I think I made my thousand bucks back. <laughs> returned you, it all. And then you just bought it again the next time? Why didn't you just keep it for the next house? I think I time? I think the next one I already went to a staging company. I can't remember. Yeah, you were like, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I two one or two houses that I was already like, no, it's too much work going to yeah. Ross and buying everything. Um, we sold a house on, on Kauai one time and we there we couldn't find a staging company. So I spent a thousand bucks at Target and Ross and just put some basic stuff and just left it at the house for the new buyers. <laughs> like, here you go. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to bring it home. <laughs> I just want to take a quick second. And if you're enjoying our content, please subscribe below. I love it if you guys can leave us a review or a comment or let me know what you guys thought. I love honest feedback and I love hearing what you guys think. So it still even helps. So even there, I did a flip and I left it all at the house so <laughs> just to help it sell. Yeah. Uh, but cool. So thank you so much for coming on and talk the story. And uh, we talk a lot all the time. So it's obviously interesting to just talk on here a little different dynamic because we actually talk pretty in depth normally <laughs> um <laughs> but um so tell everybody how they can find you out there this is taddy investor by the way miss megan so how can everybody find you on yep, social the taddy investor on instagram and uh, mm -hmm. uh the taddy investor on facebook as well facebook and instagram so check her out um she's got some good posts with branding coming up as well and uh of course, some good content and uh, check out all the staging ideas that she has for you guys. So thank you, Megan, for being on the podcast and super excited. Uh, subscribe, like, comment, make some comments on there, guys. We love answering comments on me and Megan's pages. Um, just ask questions because it's the best way to learn, to grow. Uh, we didn't know it all ourselves and we have a ton of questions as we have questions today. So feel free to just ask questions and privately ask in the DMs if you're you know, shy about it all because there's no bad question. So thank you guys and uh, have a great day. Thank you, Megan. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.